Welcome to the Refuge City Church Midweek Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Thrower, the lead pastor of Refuge City Church. So let's get into Sunday Sermon. This was Sunday Sermon. I want to dive deeper into something that I didn't get into on Sunday, and it's in Philippians 2.14, and it says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. And here it is, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Paul says you are in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Now, the good and bad news is that that is your location, crooked and perverse, or crooked and twisted. They are, in a sense, synonyms. Crooked, you notice in verse 15, is the Greek word scolios, from which you get scoliosis of the spine, a twisting and curvature. It means to be bent, it means to be twisted, it means to be uh, deviated from the standard. This is a generation of people who are twisted in terms of truth and virtue. Perverse is diastrepho, it means to distort. It's two ways of saying the same thing. The first word means to twist, the next one to distort. So that's where they were, and I'll suggest in a minute that's where we currently are. Let me provide some context around what Paul is talking about here. As a result of a massive war around 42 BC, many soldiers settled in Philippi, the colony in Rome. It was a very tough town, pagan at its core, And if you were a citizen of Philippi, you were given status as a Roman citizen, as I have mentioned before in the past. It reflected all the paganism of Rome, all the idolatry. It was a crooked and perverse place. And Jesus led the Apostle Paul to establish the first church in Europe in Philippi on his second missionary journey. Uh, You can find the story in Acts 16. They put him in jail He was singing with Barnabas in jail. They broke free. A couple folks were saved. It's a pretty cool story. Go back and read it. Uh, The believers there were desperately poor. All you have to do is look at 2 Corinthians and I believe chapter 8, and you will read there about the poor saints in Macedonia. That would be the Philippians. They were incredibly poor, but Paul says they were also generous, and they gave out of their deep poverty. They were literally swimming in a sea of paganism in a coarse and gross culture largely influenced by ex-soldiers. When the church was planted there by the Apostle Paul, it was assaulted and attacked. Uh, This is a poor church, a persecuted church. It's a church that's being assaulted by false teachers. It's also a church that will later discover struggling mightily with discord and disunity, and we're certainly familiar with that, I'm sure. Uh, This was written around 62 AD, but it sounds as if it's the same message for 2021. Think about it. A crooked and perverse generation. Sex trafficking. Murdering unborn babies. An unnatural view of gender. And a generation where half of marriages end in divorce. Mass shootings. On and on we can go. And the world is exactly what it is. It's just more open now than we're used to seeing it. The power of evil has become so pervasive that it has risen to the heights of leadership. I mean, look no further than our leaders in Washington. And I'm talking about both blue and red. So that's a good working definition of crooked and perverse for our day and age. And that sounds like bad news. And it is. Trust me, it needs to change. So the bad news is this is where we currently sit in our society. But the good news is that this is exactly where Jesus has us. 
you know, when Jesus was praying his great prayer in John 17, verse 15, this is what he says to the Father concerning us. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. Did you get that? I do not ask you, Father, to take them out of the world, but just keep them from the evil one. I think many times as Christians, we want to create weird bubbles that allows us to settle in our bunkers and never have anything to do with culture. That's a terrible perspective, and here's why. Paul says that since we're in a twisted culture, we're supposed to be, here it is, shining as lights in our dark world. God has us in a crooked and jacked up world for that very reason, to be a light that pushes out the darkness. So no more bunkers, no more sitting idly by while watching our world light itself up like a dumpster on fire. It's time for the people of God to be the light we were called to reflect. How else will the light of Christ be shown if we're not the ones doing it? And it's not just my job. It's not uh, that holier-than-thou friend you got. It's not just his job. If you're a believer, you are called to take the message of King Jesus out into our crooked and inflamed culture. Uh, I love this statement. He says, among whom, at the end of verse 15, you appear as lights in the world among whom you appear. Literally, you are appearing. You are the luminaries. You are the shining light in the darkness of the world. This is where we need to be. This is where we are as the children of God. And the only source of light in the darkness is you, the believer. How do we do this? Well, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the sermon. But in short, live a life of gratitude and hold fast to Jesus. And now our current event of the week. So speaking of twisted culture, let's talk about our current event. Actually, it's not that bad. Uh, I actually want to do something a little different. I want to talk about something that we see in this passage of how to live, and that's doing things without grumbling or disputing. That's found in verse 14. He connects the command to not grumble or dispute to being blameless and innocent, shining as lights in the world. There's a part in the Exodus narrative in the Old Testament that I think Paul has in mind here. Uh, as you know, the Israelites in the Old Testament, in a lot of ways, were supposed to point the rest of the nations around them to God through how they lived. They were to be a light to the watching world of the goodness of God. And yet, if you read the book of Deuteronomy, their story is not one of mission and redemption. It's one of nonstop grumbling and complaining. They hate their slavery in Egypt, rightly so. But God delivers them, brings them out. Now they're mad because they're stuck in the wilderness, starving. So they want to go back to Egypt. So God sends them literal bread from heaven. And this is great. Now they're mad because it's bland and boring. Just over and over again, you get this a theme of Israel, grumbling, complaining, grumbling, complaining, which says something about the God they claim to worship. Paul says the same is true for us. Paul connects our mission to the world to a specific aspect of our sanctification and obedience. It's namely gratitude. Your gratitude or lack thereof affects your mission. When we complain, when we grumble, it says something to the watching world about our God. God, you're not looking after me or over me. God, you don't love me. God, it seems like you've forgotten me. Um, so I need to take things into my own hands, yada, yada, yada. And yet Paul says our mission to shine as lights in the world is connected to our obedience and our gratitude. Again, your gratitude, in other words, affects your mission. Culturally, however, uh, everywhere you look, someone is complaining about something or arguing or debating about something, complaining about our spouses, our kids, our boss, our employees, our government, on and on. So I think this is what I'm going to do uh, while we're going through Philippians is still talk about something from the sermon and still talk about a current event, but I'll end each midweek podcast 
uh, with something that I'm grateful for. It should be a practice we do as believers. Um, In fact, I challenge you to start a new note on your smartphone or have a sticky notepad dedicated to writing every day, maybe every morning, or maybe end your night uh, writing something you're grateful for. If we really want to shine as lights or maybe stick out as sore thumbs in our culture, let's be a people of gratitude. Of course, that's a shocker for sure, because I'm sure there are many things we can complain about, but let's change that narrative. So here's what I'm grateful for today. I'm grateful for my wife and kids. As I mentioned in the sermon, the past seven months have been great, but they've also come with some difficulties. As you can imagine, the challenge of moving 2,000 miles away and leaving everything behind has been, in some ways, difficult. Going from knowing everyone to knowing only a few, kids changing schools, looking to get plugged in professionally somewhere, it's been a challenge. But my wife and kids have been super tough about it. And not just tough, they've actually surprised me with how well they've done with the transition. But that's not the only reason why I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for them because they were willing to take on the mission of starting over. They were willing to leave behind friends and family to advance the gospel. I owe them a lot of gratitude for their sacrifice they were willing to pay just so we could take the true gospel to Utah and to be a part of winning this state to the true and living King, Jesus Christ. Finally, I'm grateful you're still listening, but unfortunately, we're at the end of today's podcast. If you like what you were hearing, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Also, you can find us on Facebook at Refuge City Church or Instagram at Refuge Cedar City. And you can also email us at refugecedarcity at gmail.com. Until next time, grace and peace. Bye-bye.